I'm here to continue and maybe close out, continue this series on formations. And if you've been here, Pastor Justin, I heard, has been crushing this series like a champ, talked about worship, talked about forgiveness. But the heart of formation is that anything that is made or developed has a process to it. It takes intentionality. And the same could be said in our relationship with God. And that there's habits and disciplines and things we can do and implement. And if we do them consistently, it will begin to form. It will begin to develop things in our life that will hopefully get us stronger in God and grow healthier in God. Amen? So what I get to talk about tonight, what I'm really excited about, is the formation of rest. And I did not know we'd wait on the Lord in the beginning, but how cool is the Holy Spirit that we're going to do those things today. And so I've entitled this message, A Rhythm of Rest. A rhythm of rest. I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus 20. That's the second book of the Bible. We're going to read it here in a little bit, but I just want you to get there on your phone, your, your, your Bible app, your paper Bible, whatever you have. Exodus 20 is what we're going to read here in a little bit. But let me, let me give a disclaimer. I understand because I've been blessed to serve and invest in college age for a long time. I know I'm speaking on rest and arguably the most fatigued time of the year. You have a less energy, not that you've done anything wrong, than August, than January to now. I know that, okay? And so I, I understand where some of y'all are at. Actually, let me say this. How many of y'all would say right now, big picture, you feel tired, maybe a little exhausted, <laughs> Korean hearing already went up, and uh, maybe a little overwhelmed right now? Raise your hand, or for real. Look around. Okay. And if you're not, it's okay. You're doing great as well. Some of that comes with this season, this time of the year. I was studying about college students' arrest, and I found this quote. It said that the average college student or college-age person tends to be overworked, underslept, and overcommitted themselves. I was like, tough. That's a tough thing to aim into. But, uh, and, hey, if you find yourself there today, hey, there's grace for that. But our heart is that you don't stay there. Okay? We can have an awareness of where we are, but we, all, we can also take steps to move today. Hey, if you have a lot going on right now, let me just pass through for a second. We don't have to wait till next August if you're a college student to figure it out. If you have a lot going on, you're not, you're college age and you're just working, hey, this week there's things you can do and rhythms you can set and formations you start to build to already get healthier. It's not over, okay? I know you might feel some kind of way, but I'm praying God encourages you tonight. Um, I want you to imagine something with me. This last week was the national championship for men's and women's basketball. Women's was Sunday night. Men's was Monday night. And I want you to imagine, this is not real life, but imagine if they played the exact same basketball game. So let's go with the guys because they do halves, the women do quarters. Let's do two 20-minute halves. Now I want you to imagine that if we played that basketball game or watched that basketball game the exact same, except they had no subs, no timeouts, and no rest. The only time they could do it was halftime. So everyone got arrested. So you would imagine they would start playing. This is the national championship too. They're a little hype. And they're going to defend, and they're going to attack, and they're going to battle. But I think we could assume maybe 10 minutes in, if not sooner, they might get a little pause for a foul here and there. It's going to get a little weird. <laughs> and it's going to get sloppy on the court because they can't rest. They're used to a break. They're used to a timeout. They're used to a sub, and they don't get that. And then imagine they go into halftime. And we could assume or wonder, I bet some of them are like, man, I don't want to go play the second half. I'm exhausted. This is a national championship, though. You're not going to quit at halftime. You're going to go out there and do whatever you can and give whatever you have. So they go back out, and they empty themselves, whatever they have left. They've been working at this. Some of you are college athletes. Some of you play high school sports or music. You just work, and you work, and you work, and then it's game time. So you're going to leave it all out there, but we could assume it's not going to be their best. 
I'm sure some of them would get frustrated because they couldn't play well, because the fatigue, discouraged, overwhelmed. I bet there'd be an increased um, opportunity for injury, unfortunately, because they're so exasperated, all because they couldn't rest. Now, I know that was a hypothetical, something I wanted y'all to imagine, but I wonder how often that picture looks like for some of y'all. You're in life, you're in school, you're in work, and you're doing your best. You're working hard, you're aiming at things, and that's a great thing. But because you have so much on your plate, for example, you don't really rest that much. Or a lot of y'all could be in this place, and it's okay, I was here too. You don't think you need a rest. And maybe you don't. Some of y'all might be in a great place right now, and you're like, Amir, I just do my thing, and I feel fine. That's great. But I think I'll coach you a little later. You're going to get more responsibility in life. But then when we keep that pace or, or keep that commitment level or keep driving and don't rest intentionally how God's made our body to, things can get a little sloppy. For example, we, don't, we start not sleeping as much. We stop taking care of ourselves. We spend time less with the people we love. We go from thing to thing to thing. Well, no wonder when people have that kind of lifestyle, they start to have challenges in their mental health. But I don't believe that's how God wants you to live, and it's not sustainable. And I want everyone to look at me right now in the eye. I'm not saying this to intimidate you. I'm saying this realization because I love you, and I want better for you. And 12-ish years ago, when I was in your season in undergrad and grad school, I lived in this exact same place until I hit a wall. And then things started slipping in my life, and my grades started slipping, and my relationships started slipping, and I started to treat the people I love the most around me with, ir- with irritability because I was so exhausted, and it took me hitting the wall and having to pull back things the hard way to learn. And what me and the freeze, we don't want that for you. And I'm not saying you can't work hard and have a week here and there where you're tired, but there's now culture people just live exhausted. And they just kind of crawl from thing to thing. And just to coach you as someone older than you, you're only going to get more responsibility in life. Like all of you presumably will have a full-time job in the foreseeable future. And that's a great thing. But I get to talk to so many young adults who they, they didn't have any kind of rhythm rest. And they just start working their job. And a lot of them love it. And they're exhausted. They're exhausted on the evening, exhausted because they're just not used to having to rest anymore. There's more demand on life. Some of y'all, your relationships are going to start, are going to progress, and that's something you desire. You're going to be married one day. And now you have another person you're going to serve and love, but you don't have a rhythm of rest. One day you might have kids. And what I'm telling you that now is I want you to start having a rhythm of rest now. So then when you get more on your plate and you grow more in responsibility in these awesome things of life, it doesn't just hit you and you just kind of drag through. No, rather you learn this formation, and you're healthy then. So my heart for you is that we develop a rhythm of rest. And we're not resting just because we're exhausted and we have no other choice. No, we have systems and things in place so we rarely, if never, get to that place. Is this relating with anyone? Okay, why? Because I want you to be and I want you to do all that God has planned for you. Because I want you to be healthy Hey, because life is short, and I want you to enjoy it. We are blessed with the life we have, and I don't want you to look back on your late teens and 20s and be like, man, I I had some good times, but I just kind of plowed through everything, and I was exhausted the whole time. 
We don't have to follow the pattern of some in this world of saying yes to more and doing more and living with little to no margin and just going from thing to thing and coffee to coffee and energy to energy drink and staying up late and, and waking up early. And for what? Gain the whole world, Scripture says, and lose your souls. So I come as challenging, but it's a, from a pastoral heart. So what I want to do tonight is answer four questions. Maybe you didn't ask these questions, but I'm going to answer them anyways. Four questions on, hey, how do we have a rhythm of rest? This is going to be very practical, but we're going to get in God's word. I'm not going to just tell you a mirror. It's not really, I can give you some wisdom, but I'm going to do it off of scripture. So first question, what does the Bible say about rest? Okay, got to start from God's word. So now we go to Exodus 20. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. All y'all have probably heard of this before or are familiar with it. Moses spends time with God. God gives him these commandments, and they're a standard of living for the people of Israel and for the people of God. Now, us, there are also ways to honor God. And if you're wondering about the Ten Commandments today, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. So he even modeled that. And the fourth commandment is all about the rhythm of rest. Let's read Exodus 20, 8 through 11. This is God speaking. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, your male or female servant, your animals, foreigners residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. That's important. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. Production, we go back to the first part of the slide. I want to break down the scripture, though. It starts by saying, remember the Sabbath. Why does it say that? Because in Exodus 16, God instituted this principle. And he said, hey, I want you to rest on the seventh day. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that study this week. So then he says, remember. Why does God say remember sometimes in scripture? Because we have a tendency to forget. God tells us all, Jesus will say, remember, remember. So God just said, hey, remember the Sabbath and keep it Holy. Holy means set apart in the Hebrew and in the Greek. It's a special day. This word Sabbath defined in the Hebrew is to stop working in order to recover strength. It's beautiful. Then he goes on to say, six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Now God's referring to, in the Ten Commandments, he was referring to Genesis 2, the creation story. The very beginning of God's word, the very beginning of time. And if you didn't know, God made the earth on the sixth day, and then he rested on the seventh. Interesting. And it wasn't he necessarily needed to rest because he's God. When you study it, some would say he did that to enjoy what he created. But he also did it to be an example for us. So God the Father, when he created this thing, he instituted a rhythm of rest. That's beautiful. And then the last part says, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. There is a blessing from God when you rest. So I could say it conversely. When you don't rest, you could be missing out of a God's blessing for your life to bless your rest. So that's Old Testament. Let's look at New Testament. Mark 2. Because if you're like, that's mere, that's the Old Testament. We're profound. Okay, here we go. I don't know what voice that was. It was like a Tyler Tarver wanted to be voice. Okay, Mark 2. You can turn there or just write it down. We're going to read it together. This is Jesus now. Him and his disciples are walking on listening to the story. He says, on one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. They were hungry. That's not in the scripture. I said that. Okay, some of you are like, I don't see that in the verse. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. The Pharisees said to him, uh-oh, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Pause. Jesus and his guys are just walking. They start to pick some heads of grain to eat. 
And the Pharisees, rule followers, okay, they're like, hey, why are you working on the Sabbath? Well, they're not working on the Sabbath. The Pharisees would take God's law and these other laws, and they would make more laws of it. Well, Jesus and his friends aren't farmers, so they're not working on the Sabbath, but they said you can't even pick, a, pick some grain that's considered working. So then Jesus, being Jesus, answers with a kind of a Jesus juke, and this is what he says. He said, he answered them. Have you never read, he refers to the Old Testament, when David, King David, did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, that was the temple back then, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus, the Pharisees knew the scripture front and back. So Jesus says, hey, do you not remember what is written? They know. (laughs) And he says, you remember that one time when David was hungry, King David, anointed by God? And he was hungry, and he went into the temple on the day, and there was bread, and only the priests were supposed to bread, and God allowed them to eat that? And those guys are probably like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. But I'm God. And then spicy Jesus comes out. It's my favorite version of Jesus. I don't know about you. I love spicy Jesus. Uh, it's my adjective for him. If you don't like it, it's okay. And then, it said, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying, hey, I made it for you. Not all these rules to follow. And then he says this really bold thing that was even bolder in their time because he's identifying as the son of God again. He says, so the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And the Pharisees would get mad at that because they say he's a big blasphemous. You're not God. He is God. They just didn't know it and wouldn't accept it. My study Bible said this quote that was incredible. It says, the Pharisees had let Sabbath rules become more important than Sabbath rest. Oof, that's a good one too. So here's a takeaway from Old Testament, New Testament. Hey, Sabbath is not an obligation, rather an opportunity. If you see it as another one thing you're supposed to do, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the joy in it. You're going to miss the refreshment in it. No, it's an invitation from God. Hey, come rest. Hey, I made this for you. Hey, I set this from the beginning of time, this rhythm, for you. And when we define really this word Sabbath in the Hebrew and the Greek, a lot of the words that come up, it always says stop working, but oftentimes words that come up are rest and enjoyment. So those are the three words I want to focus on today. When we say stop, we say stop working. We could also say stop worrying. Like rest is trust. Rest. I want you all to think rest holistically. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. And then enjoy, enjoy life, enjoy people, enjoy things you love, enjoy food, amen? Celebrate what God's done that week, enjoy worshiping him, enjoy creation, it's about to get the best time of the year. You just enjoy things on the Sabbath. So, now number two, when do I rest? We're going to get really practical. You didn't ask that question, but I'm answering, hello. I had a mentor teach me this rhythm, I want to teach it to you guys. And he said, and we'll put it on the screens, the goal is to have Sabbath moments daily, a Sabbath day weekly, and a Sabbath week yearly. I'll explain. Sabbath moments daily, Sabbath day weekly, and Sabbath week yearly. Week yearly is like a vacation. I want to focus on the first two tonight. Sabbath moments daily is all about margin in your day. Just times you can slow down and take some breaths. Some of y'all might have a lot of margin right now, and that's great. Embrace it. Some of y'all have so much on your plate, you, don't, you just need a 30 minutes to an hour between class, between work, between the next thing you gotta do to breathe a little. And this is intentional. These things won't happen. If you have a lot on your plate right now, 
There was a season when I was in grad school where I put physically in my calendar because I was learning these things margin. That might sound silly to you, but I just had a lot on my plate. If you're hearing me right now and you're like, Amir, I can't do that, you might have too much going on. If we can't find 30-minute margins, one-hour margins, we might be overcommitted. And for some of y'all, maybe there's nothing you can do about in April, but when we're thinking about the summer and the fall, we got to learn from that. And we got to make changes. Or it becomes insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. we got to make some changes. Jesus modeled this. Often he would just get away. It'd be like the heat of a moment. He'd just walk away, go pray, get in solitude. It's incredible. Oftentimes you'll see Jesus went to a remote place. That was a Sabbath moment in his day. Okay, next part now, a Sabbath day weekly. This is just pick a day, and it's your Sabbath. Some of you might be like, I get this. Some of you might be like, I've never thought about this before in my life, where you stop, you rest, and you enjoy. This should be a day you slow down. The goal of this day, it's a different pace. You're in a different gear, metaphorically speaking. In biblical times, and now even Jewish people today, they celebrate a Shabbat, and they do a night and a day. That's how they see their day. So, for example, they do a Friday night. They start with dinner and a feast and family time, and they eat. Can I get an amen? And they remember God and do specific prayers to God, and then you have Saturday day where they're not working and they're resting. So, for example, what if for you... Your Sabbath day was like a Saturday at 7 p.m. to a Sunday at 7 p.m. I know a lot of y'all have unique with work and school. I know some of you schedules we have to figure out. What if it was an 8 a.m. Saturday to an 8 a.m. Sunday? You just had 24 hours where you're not working, you're not doing school, you pick a day, and you protect it. Let me challenge you. Ideally, though, this is not a day we stop work and school, but then we do all of our things that we need to do over here. Anyone been there? Me and my wife had had to work at this. It took some time. Remember, formations were practicing. So now me and Beth do our best. For example, we don't do laundry or we don't do groceries on our day off. You can say, Amir, that's really intense. Well, that was 30 minutes, so those hours add up, and those are really things we could be resting and enjoying time together and doing things we love and napping. Can I get amen? You know, there's a lot of other things we could be doing. So I want you to not, then it becomes taskless day, because then you didn't really ever rest. You went from work to something that feels like work. Because the heart was to stop working, intentionally rest, and enjoy things you love designed by God. Number three, now we did, when do we rest? Now we're going to answer the question, what do I do when I rest, Amir? Well, thank you for asking. This is so good. Y'all are now going to my questions. God bless you. Okay. This is all conditional on how you're built, how God's wired you, what's in your heart your personality, things you love to do. So I want you to write down this question. I think everyone should be able to answer this question no matter the season their life is. When y'all get into young adulthood and start working, you might need to answer this question again. It's really simple. It's just what refreshes you? I want you to write that down. Or you would write down what refreshes me? Because it's really important to know, especially when life starts to demand more of you. And these demands are a good thing. When you're working full-time, you're working full-time. That's just life. But there's a different energy and demand from your life than maybe when you had a part-time job or maybe when you're in school. It's just different, guys. I'm just trying to coach you. So you need to know what refreshes you. These are things that bring you joy, energy, rest. They're fun. They fill you up. They encourage you. This might take some exploration. It might take some trial and error. You, you kind of got to figure it out, and that's okay. That's part of life. You maybe didn't really have to think about this in high school or middle school, but I'm telling you, when you get in a young adulthood, you need to start thinking about it. And I want to hear from y'all. What are some things that come to mind? When I say what refreshes you, say some things. Video games. Video games. 
Washing the office. Laundry can't be laundry. Come on now. That refreshes you. The bounty working out. Come on now. Not the bounty. Not the Care Bear. Okay. Coffee. Golf. What refreshes you? Good food. Hiking. Traveling. Cam? Man, why are you doing all this stuff? I said, don't do it. You do it. Cam, I'm going to come hang out with you on your day off. Help you. My man's turning into Mr. Clean over here. What's going on here? I wrote down some examples. You said some of this. Could be time with your best friends. <laughs> Could be alone time. You're introverted. You're like, get out of here. <laughs> I, need, I need time alone. Hobbies, working out, reading, being outside, getting some good sleep, taking a nap, taking another nap. Hello. Uh, eating good food, music. Of course, time with the Lord. Worship, prayer, word. Hey, don't put pressure on yourself. Oh, I got to spend three hours with God. This is my day off. Hey, just hang out with God. Me and Justin were talking about this the other day. You know what's ironic, though? Oftentimes before I've gotten this in a healthier place, I'd have a day off and it'd be the time I spend least with God. Makes no sense. I have the most freedom of schedule and I spend the least amount of time with God. And I had to fix that in my life. I wanted to do better. Thank you, Justin. That's why we're friends in correction. Dang, that's tough. Whoa. Not the purr of the correction. I wasn't ready for that. I lost my train of thought. Nate, you're the legend, man. You're a legend. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, I have my phone. I've taught this before at the stand, but I just think it's a great illustration. When you have your phone, every day we all plug our phones into our power source at the end of the day. If you don't, what will happen? Yeah, dead vibes. Okay, I didn't know vibes worked there, but it will, it will not work anymore. Not the vibes. Guys, chill, 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 chill. You need to charge it. Thank you, Bonnie. Stop. You need to charge it. So I want you to think about that for your life. On days that are restful, what do you need to plug into that will refresh you, that will charge you, that will bring you life? And then you do it. It's simple but not easy. But then on the other side, hey, what do you need to unplug from? Things that are draining. People that are draining. I don't, I'm not saying you don't love them. It just may not be the person you hang out with on your day off when they drive you crazy. <laughs> That might be another day, hang out with that person. You unplug from those things. Let me ask you a question, and I just want you to think about this. This is not being me being older than you. Hey, how much time should we spend on media on our day off? Really, how much time should we spend on social media? That's for you to figure out. But if three, four hours on your day off is refreshing for you on social media, do it. I just wonder if it's not. Is it mindless? Yes. And insert... Shows, movies, video games, YouTube. I'm not saying anything's wrong with these things. But what we'll do oftentimes is we'll binge, we'll veg, we'll get mindless. And just for me, no disrespect to you, I, I came to this place about six years ago. I realized social media is not refreshing to me at all. It's cool. I love it. I love checking in on you all other people, but it's not refreshing me, so I don't get on it on my Sabbath. That's my conviction. I'm not throwing it at you. I play video games on my Sabbath. I play video games with Pastor Justin. We game. Yeah, we game. Chill, 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 chill. No shout outs. But I also don't game all day. Probably because I'm a husband and a dad. I game when my family's asleep. But I, that's refreshing to me, so I do it. But I don't do it for eight hours. But I'm also in a different season, y'all. So I'm not saying some of y'all, if you want to watch a few more shows office, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying when you have a full day to do whatever you want, should I have spent nine hours on media? I don't know. Because you get to the end of the day, you wake up the next day and you're still tired? Well, did we best utilize our Sabbath? We figure out what those things are, and then we just do them. That's why I want you to be able to answer that question. What refreshes me? So then we just do them. And then what's cool, guys, you're going to start looking forward to your day off. 
Because you can think, I get to do this, this, this. I get to hang out with this person. I get to do these things. Rico's praising the Lord right now. Hallelujah, you know? Especially when you start working. You know what I'm saying? Saturday, be coming, Rico, and you're like, hallelujah. Jira. Okay, I'm not going to start singing. Okay. <laughs> you are enough. Okay, number four. Last question. Who can give me rest? So we said tonight, what does the Bible say about rest? When do I rest? What do I do when I rest? Who can give me rest? Well, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, in your life that can. Uh, people that are like family to you, your friends. I want you to spend time with them. But I, I'm ultimately talking about Jesus. And in Matthew 11, you've probably read or heard of this verse before. In verse 28, Jesus is challenging people in this chapter right before this of groups of people and cities of people who had watched him do miracles and still didn't believe in him. So he starts challenging them. Like, what more do you need to see? And then he says this beautiful promise that's always beautiful, but maybe in April for a group of people in your season, it's one of the best verses you can read. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28. It's an invitation. He says, come to me, all, all, you who are weary and burdened, and here's the promise, and I will give you rest. He explains how. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. That's a deep rest, guys. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus has given this invitation to people who are tired. It is a tired life. It is from tired physically. But even in this scripture, he goes deeper than that. He's saying, hey, some of you are tired because of religion. Hey, some of you are tired because you're living a life separate from me. And he says, come. Hey, come, all you who are weary. Well, he uses this language and he says yoke. And that's not a language we use every day. Let me explain to you. So this was a farming term. Jesus is speaking to the people of his time. And a yoke was this apparatus then, and I'm sure they use it now, but we have machines. This apparatus that had two animals, usually two oxen, and it was a plowing apparatus. But what they would do in a yoke, it's really interesting, they would have an older oxen, stronger oxen, wiser oxen, but slower oxen with a younger, faster, but weaker oxen. Why? Because it was, it was the younger's oxen desire to go too fast and to use its energy and to move. But it, then they couldn't plow the whole field or all the things they do. And the older oxen was to slow them down because they were stronger, keep them on pace, and teach them how to plow in a sustainable way. And our Jesus looks at us and says, hey, take my yoke upon you. He later describes that yoke as light and easy. And what he is doing is an invitation to a formation. He says, hey, come beside me and learn. He says, learn. Guys, you can't microwave formations. They take time. They take intentionality. They take discipline. And he says, hey, I'm the stronger one, and I will pace you, but I'll also make it light. And he says, come next to me and learn how to rest. Learn a rhythm of rest. And even when you learn with him, sometimes you're going to go too fast, or sometimes you're going to get a lot out of order, or sometimes you're going to get off track. But if you're learning next to him, he's going to steer you right back on. And he's going to develop you and strengthen you. It's like a pacer in running races. And then he's going to set you a pace that's sustainable. That's what you're built to do. 
And he says, when we do that, we will find rest for our souls. It's a beautiful picture. So this week we celebrate Easter. And there's so many blessings, guys, from Jesus dying on the cross for us. But one of those is a rest. And it's a deep rest. It's a rest that can only come from him. You can ace the things I just told you about what refreshes you, and they're important. But I want you to learn in your time with God and as you grow in him spiritually, you're gonna get older and not even a long time from now, and you're gonna get to a place where you can just get in the presence of God and it will bring rest to you. Because Jesus can bring you rest in ways that nothing else can because he created you and he hardwired you and he knows the heads, the hairs on your head and he knew you when you're in your mother's womb and he knows you when you're in the busiest week of your life. He knows you when you're discouraged, but he also knows you when you're doing amazing and you're having the time of your life. He created you. And the Easter time might be an amazing time for a lot of things to realign with the gospel, to realign with Jesus, but it might be the, one of the greatest times to establish a rhythm of rest or for some of y'all reestablish a rhythm of rest where there's no more striving, no more living for the approval of others, no more fears of failure. There's a worship song and it's kind of a prayer worship song and the guy says, nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to show, nothing to prove. Just rest in Jesus. Just rest. Hey guys, God loves you right now the same as he loves you this morning, the same as he loved you when you made your last mistake, the same as when you spent time with him and you had a blast. It's unconditional. No more striving. There's so many reasons. I, I had so many notes. I wanna say there's so many reasons you could be tired. There's so many reasons your pace could get off, but some of it's the stuff that's up here or the opinion of others or what we think we should be doing and we get off of what he says and how he sees us and how he wants to lead us and guide us. He wants you to live in the overflow of him. He wants you to live and be step by step with his spirit because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Will you bow your heads? I want to pray for you all.